Happy New Year and welcome to Transform Your Workplace. It's your host, Brandon Laws. We skipped last week, but we wanted to make sure to start fresh in 2024 after the holidays and give you all sorts of great content. Today's episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Learn more about Zenium's complete HR plus payroll solution at zeniumhr.com. Okay, today's episode, we're picking right back up with Josh Durham. We've been doing the foundational five leadership principles that he's come up with. And this episode is all about communication. And as you've probably heard in the other episodes with Josh, he's gone through some experiences that has have taught him a lot of these lessons that he's come up with and is sharing some gifts of failure stories with you. So you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, communication is so vital. And nowadays, you know, a lot of the knowledge workers who are working in this hybrid work environment, communication's more important than it's ever been before. And that's why it's a foundational leadership principle. If you didn't hear any of the episodes with Josh before, I've had him on, I believe this is the third time, and we'll, we'll have him back on a few more times over this year to talk about the last few principles, but I really hope you enjoy it. He's one of my really great friends. Josh is doing some really good work out there, and I really align with his leadership principles. And that's why I want to share those with you on this show. Enjoy today's episode. If you like what you heard, please go subscribe to Apple Podcasts if you're not a subscriber. A rating, written review would be great. We want to grow this show and reach a, a bigger audience in 2024. We're trying to help people transform workplaces in a positive way. And this is just one of the many ways we're trying to do that through this show. Enjoy the conversation with Josh Durham. Hey, Josh, it's great to have you back on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on. Great to see you again, Brandon. Thanks for having me back. We're going to pick up right where we left off. So we talked about the foundational five uh, leadership principles. And the the last episode, we talked about agreements, which I think was so, it's so important. I think too many people don't set those agreements up front in terms of a relationship. And I think it, it sets us all, all up for success if we're aligned. Yep. Communication is the second principle. And I want to start by sharing a quote that you have in, in your presentation deck. And I love it because I think it sets the stage for this conversation. The quote is from George Bernard Shaw. It says, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Unpack that for me. <laughs> I mean, isn't that true? Uh, you know, that George Bernard Shaw, it's the guy who wrote uh, the screenplay to My Fair Lady for anyone that cares. And yeah, I, I mean, I stumbled across that quote. Uh, years ago, and it it stuck with me. And as I was creating Foundational Five Principle Number Two Deck, you know, for communication, that quote just jumped out at me again. And so I, I refound it, I rediscovered it. And what he's getting at there, this is not just a business issue, right? This is not a professional life. This is in our personal lives too. When you think you've communicated something clearly to someone. And, you know, it goes in their brain and goes through their filter and right out the other side. And it's something completely different. You know, that's that's the illusion that true communication has happened. You know, the, the telephone game, right, that we all played as kids. 
where you whisper something in one person's ear, it goes around a table and, you know, 10 people pass through. And the thing that comes out on the other end is, is something completely different, right? We were just playing this game as a family at a birthday gathering with our kids a few weeks ago. And again, it reminded me of this, you know, illusion that communication has actually existed or occurred, right? So, you know, that's the core of that quote, you know, and for me, you know, I believe the root cause of most positive outcomes in life is quality communication, where both parties actually understand what the other person is trying to get across, right? And Again, in my personal life, this has proven true over and over again. My wife and I have a clear dialogue about, you know, whatever this thing is we're talking about, where you see where I'm coming from, I see where you're coming from. We have empathy for each other in the dialogue, and there's a clear, you know, action on what's going to happen next. Those communications go right, great, right? But when, when that doesn't happen, whether it's in your personal life or professional life, the failure to communicate sets everyone up for potentially really bad outcomes. So that's why I lead with that George Bernard quote, because it's just so darn true in our, in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like, there's, there's two buckets uh, where this communication uh, breakdown falls in. I, I think is like, it's not that it hasn't necessarily been communicated. And in some cases you just not communicating effectively, but I think in a lot of cases, it's the fact that it's not clear communication, concise, or even the right cadence. Like, to your point, when you communicate something that's especially important, it does go in one ear and out the other. It's not necessarily absorbed unless that cadence is there or it's memorable. Like I think of, you know, I'm a marketing professional and if you're not clear and you don't have some sort of hook in your communication and it's not frequent enough, the communication breaks down at some point because you're just not, you're not clear about it and it's not enough. You need repetition. Totally. You know, there's plenty of studies out there that say, you know, folks need to hear things, you know, eight, 10, 12 times before they really get it. So, and sometimes even more depending on the complexity of the, of the context. Right. So, and in this high tech world that we live in now, right. Where folks rely on firing off emails or text messages, Slack message, whatever it is. And that counts as their communication. We have traps and pitfalls set up all around us in this world for um, poor communication to occur or the illusion that communication um, has occurred. When you think about the people who don't communicate, is it out of fear of disagreement, rejection? What can you think of uh, the people that just don't communicate at all? Yeah, I th- there's a lot of reasons, but you know, the main thing that we focus on in Foundational 5 series that ties into that question is, you know, a lot of folks fail to communicate issues, especially, you know, when we're talking about communication, a lot of it comes down to the tough conversations you got to have, right? Folks fail to communicate clearly uh, or directly because there is fear. And that ties back to brain biology, actually. We, we talk about this in the Foundational 5. There's, there's three things that every single human on this earth is wired to want. And those three things, doesn't matter who you are, we are all wired to want to survive, belong, and become. And that's not because Josh Sturm says so. That's because that's the biology of the brain. I'll spare your listeners me trying to pronounce these four little parts of the brain that sit at the uh, top of the brainstem. Um, but there's four little parts of our brain that send signals back and forth to the other parts of our body and down the vagus nerve, down to our gut that triggered these designs. Maybe amygdala is one of them. It is one of them. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You did way better than I do. I stopped trying to say them a while ago. I was like, forget it. I'll just show the diagram. When you have to speak up and say something that's 
challenging or um, potentially, you know, there's going to be conflict with, you know, how you message or how you say it, um, you know, your survival instincts are triggered, right? The fight or flight is triggered, right? And, you know, often in this day and age, folks um, are choosing, you know, to freeze or, or flight and they don't want to engage in that communication. And that really sets you up for, you know, issues to fester and age in a bad way. And eventually they're going to come back, bite you in the butt. And I got a gift of failure story today that ties ties right into that. So, and that's why, you know, the in the communication principle, the principle is, you know, I say, speak up when you disagree, but the but the superpower or in communication is always listening first. Um, so you got to speak up when you disagree, um, but your ability to listen to someone first and actually, um, you know, have empathy and hear what they're saying is the key to quality communication. And in the foundational five principle number two presentation, we give folks the actual tools that we use to communicate effectively. You know, you can have tough conversations. You know, those are totally normal in our lives. It's all about how you approach them. And when you approach them in the right way that, you know, those four little parts of your brain, including the amygdala, wow, see, I can't say it. Um, those triggers will uh, lessen because you know you have the tools and the skills to communicate effectively with someone else, even when it's going to be a tough talk. Yeah. I mean, in some respects, it seems like easier said than done to like, when you disagree with somebody to, to just do it. I think a lot of things need to be in place. I mean, for one, you got to have the skills and the tools to be able to have that conversation. But two, the culture plays a huge role in this. Like if you don't have a psychologically safe environment, people don't speak up. And then you're at risk of like having major problems down the road if you, if you don't have a psychologically safe. And what's your experience with that? Yeah, uh, that's, you know, one of the big things, you know, that we teach, especially when we're delivering this content to leadership within companies. You know, the leadership hasn't set up a workplace where, you know, folks feel psychologically safe, like they can speak up, um, they can voice their opinions and concerns and ideas. You know, the, you're, you're setting yourself up for, you know, explosive conversations you know, all the time, potentially. Um, and that's, you know, so that's a big thing that we uh, try to, you know, steer folks away from is, um, you know, create a work environment where people feel like they can voice their ideas and concerns and the peaks and valleys of tough conversations will be much uh, shallower, right? Yeah. You talk about the Imago dialogue technique. I've never heard of this before, but you teach it. What is that about? Yeah, I, uh, just to be clear, not something that we created. This is <laughs> the Imago dialogue. Proven methodology. Yeah, it's, it's proven methodology. It's been around for, um, gosh, over 50 years. And it's an interesting thing to present in my world where most of the time when we're you know, going through the Foundational Five curriculum, it's to contractors, you know, either general contractors or subcontractors, folks that are in the building industry who historically, you know, people think of having kind of a tough shell around them, you know, tough people. And so I'm bringing in this Imago dialogue technique, uh, which comes from couples therapy and couples counseling. And the folks who created it, they wrote this book um, that's called Getting the Love You Want. And it's a very famous book now. When they first wrote it, they didn't get a whole lot of traction. This is back in the late 80s when they wrote this book. Both are world-renowned psychologists and therapists. I believe both are. And they wrote this book about how to get the love you want, kind of sat on the shelf. And then in the mid 90s, they got a spot on Oprah and, you know, did an interview with her. And then their book went viral before going viral was a thing. Right. And, you know, this technique that I'll step you through here shortly became the primary way for couples, people in relationships to dialogue with each other in tough conversations. 
And now what we found is Fortune 500 companies, some of the biggest companies in the world are using this exact same technique with their employees, with their clients, with team members. They are teaching it because it is a highly effective communication tool in any sort of relationship, whether you're in love with that person <laughs> or not. And <laughs> um, work relationships sometimes can be like a marriage. So I get exactly. it. So, so that's why I'm bringing it into the construction industry. And it's something my, my wife and I practice. And it's something that I, I use with clients. I used it in you know my past life when I was a project manager. And you know I, I use it uh, now today with our, our team as well. So I'll step you through it here real quickly. It's very simple. And one more you know caveat, don't use this kind of dialogue when you're like ordering your coffee at Starbucks. Okay. People will think you're a weirdo and you'll get drug out. Okay. This is not for normal, just run of the mill conversations. This is when you're either in a conversation that's going to be challenging. So there's two parts to any communication. There's a receiver or the listener, and then there's the sender or the person speaking. Okay. And if you're both listening or speaking at the same time, it's not going to be very good communication. So those are the two key roles we play. And the most important role in any communication is that receiver or listener. All right, if you do your job well in that role in a communication, it's going to have positive outcomes for both parties. So here it is. Here's the very simple Mago dialogue technique. Step one is mirroring. That's when you as the receiver, um, you let the other person speak, and then you literally mirror back to them what you heard. So what I heard you say is, and then you, as close as you can, word for word, send that back to them. And then, you know, when you're done mirroring, you're just like, did I get that right? And then that gives the sender, the person speaking, an opportunity to say, yeah, you got it. That's exactly right. Or no, that's not what I said. So it's not necessarily that I agree with you. It's that I I hear what you're saying and, and we're just aligning on that. Exactly. This is not about agreeing or giving up ground or anything like that. This is about meeting that person where they're at and trying to validate what they are saying. When you do that, when you're able to walk through these steps, it's going to shut down those survival instinct parts of that other person's brain, and it's going to open up the dialogue for both parties. And that person doesn't feel like they have to defend themselves, like they feel like they're actually getting heard by the other person. Then it's shields are lowered. Okay, this person is listening to me. All right. Um, And then once you're able to mirror back successfully to that person, the next step is validation. So once they've gotten it all out, all right, and this is validation, not agreement. This is just validating, you know, what that person is saying. You know, that's where you're going to validate, you know, what that person's shared with you um, using some really simple language. Things like, I get that, or, you know, that's totally understandable why that issue is bothering you, or that makes sense to me because, and then you fill in the because, right? This is not complex, right? This is very simple uh, terminology that you use and you, you know, when they feel validated, again, you're, you're shutting down the, the survival instinct areas of the brain and you're opening up the intuitive thought parts of the brain for them to open up to you. Right. So once you get through validation, um, then you're going to empathy, right? And empathy is not sympathy. People twist those two words around each other and they're very different things. I, I tell folks save sympathy for the funerals. Okay. That's not what we're talking about here. Empathy is simply the ability to understand and identify with another person's feelings, thoughts, or attitude. That's what it is. Okay. It's, it's not the off shucks. Yep. You're right. We're terrible. You know, we're the worst. I'm sorry. We've caused all these issues for you. You know, that's sympathy and that doesn't get anything done really in a communication. That's not moving 
the issue forward. So you got to find a place to meet that person at, you know, show empathy for their struggles. I'm sure you've been in their shoes at some point in your life, um, whether professional or personally, we're all going through the same kind of stuff in just in different ways. So mirroring, validation, and empathy. And then along with that, you know, I've created a five simple open-ended questions that you can ask during a dialogue like this to help you mirror, validate, and empathize with them. We give this tool set of questions to participants in the Foundation Five to use them when they find themselves in this uh, kind of uh, situation. So that's role number one in communication. Role number two is the sender, all right? And, and you know, sometimes you're going to be the sender. Sometimes you're going to be pissed off. You're going to have an issue that you need to get off your chest with somebody else. There's one really important thing you have to do as the sender or the speaker in a challenging conversation. And that thing is you got to use I language or we language. All right. You have to, as best you can, you have to avoid blame language. I say use blame free language because here's the deal. When you start off a communication like this with you don't know how to run your project or defenses immediately come up, body armor comes on. Yeah, the second you point your finger at somebody or the second you say, you don't know how to do your job, let me tell you why, you can say the most eloquent thing that's ever been spoken on this earth, but guess what? That person, the receiver, didn't hear a word you said because they are building their argument and their counter-argument in their head, right? And maybe they're trying to decide whether or not they want to you know, knock you out. You're working against yourself when you use blame language in a conversation like that. And I know, again, you and I sitting here, it's really easy to talk about this stuff and say, don't do it. It's really hard in the moment to channel I language. I am concerned about this issue because here's how it's affecting our team. Now that's one way to communicate it or is you're screwing all this up and you're bringing everybody on the team down, right? The same issues are at hand, but I've delivered that in two different ways. And the second way, I guarantee you that receivers just putting up their shields and building defense argument while you're trying to explain yourself. No mirroring will happen. No validation will happen. No empathy will be shown by that person if you use blame language in those kind of communications. So that's it as a sender. That's the main role as a sender is just I or we based language, not you blamey kind of language. Make sense? Absolutely. I think what comes to mind for me is the, these are skills that are are hard to, to learn and without reps in having these conversations using this model, it's going to be hard because your emotions could get the best of you. So what do you recommend for people like when they find themselves in a conflict like this? They understand this model. You walk through it perfectly. Do you role play it? Do you study it? Do you like read a bunch of books and case studies on conflict management? Like what, what's the approach that most leaders should take? Yeah, I'm at an advantage here because I literally took classes in this, right? And, you know, so did my wife. We went to, you know, some workshops on it and, and learned it and have been implementing it for years now. So I have the advantage of practice. And that, frankly, is what it comes down to for this type of tool. It's Gonna And I tell everyone that's a participant in Foundation 5, it's going to be awkward the first time you do it. And I suggest folks role-playing it with people they trust first and practicing it, you know, without an actual conflict at hand, just to try it out, just to practice. Because mirroring is actually a lot harder than, you know, you think because your brain wants to start building that counter-argument almost immediately because of those survival instincts. 
And so you have to really focus in on the person and what they're saying so that you can mirror and record what they're saying, right? So it's practice. You know, it it really is. And role playing is a great way to get comfortable with using this tool, because if you just try to whip it out in the heat of the moment, you know, for the first time, you're probably going to stumble your way through it quite a bit. And that's okay too. What I tell folks in the classes, this is just like, you know, if you get a really new, great, new, fancy laser guided saw, you know, and then you stick it in your garage and it sits in the box for six months, you don't get very good at using this new fancy tool that you got. You got to get it out of the box. You got to start practicing on it and you'll get good at using it over time. And that's really how all these tools are that are in the foundation of five. So we're talking about a model or tools in which we can use to to manage conflict. How do we get ahead of conflict? I mean, it's, it's inevitable, right? But what are, in your experience, some of the most common pitfalls as far as like what causes conflict in, in the beginning from a communication standpoint? Yeah, a lot of this goes back to setting up good agreements in the relationships that you're in, right? If you set up, you know, back to principle number one, if you set up solid agreements, whether it's contractual or relational um, based or team based, where both parties understand their responsibilities going in, that's going to help you avoid some of these surprise conflicts come up, you know, and we talked a lot about agreements last time. So let's talk about disagreements, what you're getting at. Here's what I think, you know, disagreements are, they're inevitable. All right. And so the longer that you let disagreements fester, when you know it's there, just like mold, it's going to get worse and more invasive, damaging. All right. I think disagreements are, they're fundamental to healthy relationships. Um, So we shouldn't neglect them or or hide them away. A key thing to understand when you're in conflict or in a disagreement is it's not an opportunity to put others down or be rude um, or use shame or fear in that communication. When you do that, again, that person's going to shut down on you or lash back and it's not going to move the conflict forward. You know, another thing that disagreements are, it's an opportunity for you, for us to think again about our position. It's, this is going to be hard, you know, for folks to hear, but we're not always right. We all think we're the best driver in the world, right? And everyone else stinks at it, but we're really good at it. Until you can observe yourself or somebody gives you the feedback, it, it, yeah, it's easy to think that we're, we're the best. Exactly. <laughs> and by the way, the, the, the think again, that, that's an Adam Grant book too that I highly recommend. I'm sure that's where you're kind of pulling that from, but it, it, it gets you to like kind of rewire your brain in some sense because it's like we have our preconceived notions or beliefs that are so ingrained in us and sometimes it, it takes another person to really call us out. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, it is from Adam Grant, the Think Again concept. Amazing book. I recommend everyone reads it. I've recommended it to tons of people. My wife recommended it to me. Um, she always has good, good recommendations. And that was one of them. Um, because yeah, like we, you know, again, the good, it goes back to those basic instincts. We, we want to think we're always right because we want to survive. And we want to belong, you know, which means we want to be part of the group. And if we're wrong about something, maybe we'll get kicked out of whatever group it is. And so we, you know, we want to always think we're right, but we have to be open to the idea that maybe there's a different way to look at this, you know, and maybe that person, you know, has valid points. And that's why this Imago dialogue is so important because it's, it opens up the opportunity for you to listen to someone and actually see where they're coming from rather than just having a defensive argument back and forth, right? 
So as we wrap up this conversation, because we're running out of time, uh, last time we taught, we did a gift of failure story. You've got tons of great stories and, and you always try to tie a story to a, a principle of yours. So let's, let's have you uh, tell a story about a, a moment of failure that you've, you've since learned from and now are teaching people on. Sure. Yeah. The, the, so the, the story I tell in uh, the communication principle actually is a sequel to the story that I told in agreement. It's the end of that same five-year-long project that I was engaged in. So in agreements, we left off, I think, with uh, me holding a blowtorch, <laughs> burning a contract and trying to move on and frankly avoid some disagreements, right? And maybe inspire. I think you're trying to inspire people and bring them back together and, and maybe temporarily worked, right? Temporarily, it patched things together. And so I'd say for a, a good year after that, about a year of goodwill on that project, maybe a little less. And But the project didn't get any easier. Again, we're talking about a 200 to $300 million project, a one-of-a-kind building that's never been done before, uh, very custom. And we're now um, going to fast forward to about the last eight months of the project. And eight months in construction timeline for um, a project that size is, you know, can go by in the blink of an eye. So we are going as fast as we can. It's still a very challenging build, still lots of design challenges and contracting issues, all of the things that come with big construction. I'm actually in Portland on this day, about eight months away from completion. And I get a video sent to me from someone on the job site. And there is a, an aerial lift about 60 feet in the air that's on fire. Yeah. And uh, there's two men, two crew people on, on the lift trying to get off. And it was a very dire situation. You know, we had a lot of heroes that day that helped get those folks over to a, a roof eve um, and to safety. Thank God, just really in the nick of time. But this event happened and um, it made national news. It was on CNN. It was on Fox News. All the major news outlets picked it up because there was some pretty amazing viral video of this fire that happened on our job site. Uh, so maybe that flamethrower from the agreement story was foreshadowing. I don't know. Long story short, everyone was safe. We got everyone to safety. Uh, it caused um, some damage on the exterior of the building. It wasn't too bad. It was you know several tens of thousands of dollars worth of repair, but really a drop in the bucket compared to everything. And you know, initially it's like, wow, okay, that was very dire situation, um, but I'm so glad everyone's safe. I'm so proud of our people on our job site who acted quickly to get those two people off of that lift that was 60 feet in the air and literally engulfed in flames. And that was great. And then, you know, part of our protocol is as, you know, something like this, you know, hits the news, we're scouring the news and comment sections on everything we can just to see what's being said to make sure that no false narratives are getting out there, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I'm, I'm looking at local news stories and the national ones on my phone that, that same night. I'm scheduled to be on a plane the next day to go be part of the investigation to determine what happened to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I come across this one uh, news clip and, you know, it's a very short story about it. It shows the video of the, the lift on fire. And, you know, then at the end of this story, the reporter got a quote from our client, the company who's going to own this building, and the quote basically said, uh, this event will not affect budget or schedule on this project. Oh, you know, and so for me, like, again, you know, going back to we never really reset boundaries and expectations um, early on when we lost our key leader from the, the client side. Um, and so when that happened, this is months and months later, and I hear that quote, you know, my I just get the sinking feeling in my gut that, wow, like, we're just not 
this is no longer the same kind of core principles of a project that we were working on. Like that's all they care about. That's, that's their takeaway from this event. At the same time, um, you know, the change orders are building up. Lots of money is on the table. We're still looking for millions and millions of dollars to be paid to us beyond our base contract for all the changes we've gone through. And we're still racing towards the finish line. So communication continued, you know, from that point really forward, communication just continued to worsen and worsen. And I kept trying to engage, you know, in discussions with them, especially about all the outstanding change orders and, and money due to us. And it just kept, kind of kept getting shifted off to the side. The, you know, it got tabled like, well, just finish the job, just finish the job, you know? And we, of course, were going to finish that job. So I'm gonna fast forward everyone now to the very end of the um, project. So now it is um, the day that they are going to move in through all these challenges, you know, you know, the fires and all this craziness that was going on. We still found a way to get this project to the finish line. So now it's the day they're gonna move in, it's a Friday, afternoon and i was back in portland at this time and a friend of mine um, at my company took me out to lunch to celebrate like wow i can't believe you actually you guys actually pulled this off no one thought this thing was ever going to open i was like i know it's crazy we're walking back from lunch and i get a phone call from the lead superintendent on my team and this man never minces words i answer the phone and i say hey you know what's going on he said there's water everywhere. You got to get on a plane and then click, he hangs up. And I was like, what, what happened? You know, and I, you know, my buddy who's standing there, he's like, dude, what just happened? You just look like you turned into a ghost. Like all the blood, you know, came out of my face. I was about to faint. Right. And I was like, I don't know. He said, there's water everywhere and I got to get on a plane. And so then I try to call a bunch of other people on the job site, find out what's going on. Can't get through to anybody because everyone's literally knee deep in water out there, bailing water. A few minutes later, photos and videos start flooding into my phone, excuse the pun. And I just see water, you know, cascading through this brand new 300,000 square foot building that we were literally moving this client into this weekend. And, you know, long story short, we come to find out it was a sprinkler main had given way in the building up on the seventh floor of this nine story building and it flooded out this entire building. So oh, man. I was able to get back a hold of the, the superintendent and, you know, we quickly talked through what was going on. And he said, Hey, we got to tell the client they're not moving in today. Can you make that call while I deal with what's going on on site? And I was like, yep, I can make the call. And so this, this is the same person who eight months earlier said, you know, this fire will not affect schedule or budget, right? So that's who I'm about to call. And so I call them and I tell them, you know, what's happened and, you know, apologize, you know, as much as I can and say, we're going to investigate and do everything we can to remedy this and get you in as soon as possible. And obviously they're frustrated. We're all frustrated. Um, but the only question I get in that moment is nothing like, is everyone Okay you know, wow, this is so hard, you know, heart, sorry, you know, you know, you all are going through this too. The only question I got was, well, who's going to pay for this? <laughs> and I said, well, I knew the answer because I knew who, it, you know, they held the insurance policy on the project. We didn't. And usually we like to, and we tried to talk them into that, but they didn't want to do it. So yeah, I knew that their insurance was going to be on the hook for this. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but you, you hold the insurance policy on this. This will be an insurance claim. So it will be you or your insurance company. And then click, communication shut right down, right? Just hung up and it's like, wow, okay, this is where you know we're going. And 
I had already planned I was going to be out there the following Monday to celebrate with them that they'd moved into the new building and also negotiate, try to finish the negotiations for these millions of dollars of change orders they owed us. As you can imagine, I still showed up. In fact, I got there on Sunday instead, but there was no discussions about all this money that was owed us. All they wanted to know is when they're going to be able to move into the building and when we're going to fix this. And it became a major disagreement, obviously, and a bunch of arguing <laughs> along the way. So to wrap that up, you know, we spent the next six months rebuilding the inside of that building. Really hard to go through. Is the building so nice? We built it twice, I say. And communication every step of the way from that point forward, again, only worsened and worsened and worsened. Big barriers went up and the, it didn't end well. You know, that whole thing ended in court. Um, and a lot of that, we can't help that a, a leak like that happened, you know, that there was this flood. We can't help that. that there's a lot that went into, you know, that happening. Um, and that was an accident. But, you know, if strong communication protocols and expectations were set up, you know, years before in advance, and those that trust was built, um, the way that entire situation would have been handled, I can guarantee would have gone differently and we would have stayed out of court. So that's where that communication principle ties in so huge. Being able to reflect now on it, I can see what a gift I was given, even though that was one of the toughest times of my lives. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, you could have avoided so much, but um, that, that's why you're sharing this, right? So others that are listening can like avoid. I mean, maybe people wouldn't have that drastic of a, a an, an issue, but if we just open up communication, maybe we can avoid some of these things long-term. So what's next as far as the principle we're going to talk about next? Yeah, next session, um, we're going to dive into principle number three, uh, leadership. Uh, we're going to talk about the four characters everyone plays in their lives. And we're going to look at the leadership navigation system that we've created for folks at all level of leadership in organizations, no matter what you do. Awesome. Josh, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate you. Awesome, buddy. Good talking. Thank you. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of ZenMHR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. ZenMHR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.